Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome to the We Ain't Just Family podcast. This is episode number six um, today. So last week we did a topic about what it's like to be a black woman in America um, with Father's Day coming up. I thought it would be a good idea just to talk about what it's like to be a, a black man in America and also a, a dad in America. So I personally uh, wanted to do this podcast for a couple of different reasons. One, I wanted to do one with my dad. Uh, so my dad is here. Uh, the, the, the senior fresh is here. Then I also wanted to do one. Uh, he's my, I'll just call him my godfather, basically. <laughs> uh, Melvin is also here. Um, and we're at different stages of fatherhood to, um, Father to a, a 10 month old, have a bonus 10 month old, 10 year old. Uh, my, my dad being the, the senior, his, his kids are grown. He's playing the role of grandfather now. <laughs> and, and Melvin is the recent five, 19 year old, 19 year old yeah. high school graduate, yep. just finished freshman year in college. Yes, so, sir. yep. Um, start off with a basic question. Um, what do you feel? What is it like to be a, a black man in America to, to you today? I'll start with um, Melvin. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for inviting me to this uh, podcast. This is a pleasure. I'm a little nervous, but I'm going to do my best to uh, communicate my feelings as you ask me questions. Um, but your question to that you just put out on the table is, what is it like to be a black man in, a, in America? It's kind of obvious, you know, with everything that's gone on in the past, but um, it's, it's tough. And we have to, in our own experiences, we have to learn how to navigate through the treacherous uh, landscape that is America, that is supposed to be the, the promised land, it's supposed to be the place where, you know, liberty is respected and life and all that. And we haven't re received that benefit and we're still fighting for it. Um, and as a black man, we've we're kind of like, I, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but it's like we're going extinct because we're being sent to jail um, at a faster and a more uh, abundant rate. Um, we're also being, you know, shot in the streets, not only by police, but by our own people. I mean, we, we need to be accountable for, our, for ourselves as well. We can't let ourselves off the hook, but there's definitely some injustices that are being played out right before our eyes. I mean, we just had a discussion off the mic dealing with uh, Mr. George Floyd and how, you know, we've always known that there has been issues with the relationship between black males and police. And what's interesting to me is that this is nothing new. I mean, Marvin Gaye back in the 70s was, you know, in his prophetic way, his fantastic album was talking about what's going on in police brutality. And then in, and even after that, you had hip hop who, you know, made their um, voice heard through NWA, you know, and, you know, they said, up the police, you know, and they, they, they were saying that for a reason, because in their community, in, you know, South Central LA and other urban areas, the police have been very abusive and, and heavy handed. So I think the only thing, only progress that we really made is that it's being spoken about more often but I'm looking for solutions and not just, you know, us talking. I mean, talking is just, you know, you're just scratching the surface when you're just talking. 
but we need we really need to have solutions and the solutions are not going to be all in it's not going to be a silver bullet you're not going to be able to depend on the politicians totally but you're going to definitely have to depend on the grassroots um, to actually make the politicians hear us and do what we say because they, they they work for us we don't work for them and somehow that dynamic has been um, twisted around where it seems like we're working for the politicians so that they can you know get what they want so i hope i answered your question yeah so and you you led me to another question um so um dad you have the, the distinction of not only being a a black man but you were a detroit police officer for for 29 years so just speak on that dynamic of, of being a, a black male police officer um because I think they kind of intertwine with your identity. You're, you, you were a, you were a police officer, but you were a black man first. And just how those two do they coexist? Can they coexist? Um, well, they definitely can coexist. And first, let me say thanks for having me, son, and uh, having me and Melvin here to discuss some of these issues and topics. And me personally examining the situation as far as being a police officer, a black police officer here in the wonderful city of Detroit, I felt, and I still do, I treated, quote, the brothers and sisters with the same understanding that I treat everybody else. However, when it came to the injustice of everything, I examined it and treated them as though they were my kids. And I tried not just to be fair about it, but to be right about it. And there's a distinction between being fair and right. America wants us to, quote, be fair. I want America to be right. And right, you don't have to worry about being fair if you're right. And that's what we don't examine. It was take, I bought more potato chips and pops and shoes than anybody else on the force because I didn't want us brothers to be incarcerated for no reason other than that we stole or quote borrowed a bag of chips or a pop that we didn't have money to pay for but we took it so as opposed to arresting that person I would have them to write me a paper about why they did it and that's what I did so the injustice comes in you know white officers do the same thing to quote their people so I just did the same thing for us. I mean, you never seen white officers take kids or one of their arrestees to jail over a bag of chips or a pop. They would take that kid home. And that's basically how I looked at it. Okay, so you, you brought up um, seeing the, the people that you dealt with on a police force as, a, as one of your kids, um, which is going to lead... Um, me into um, question or, or topic kind of number two. Um, fatherhood is about to be Father's Day um, weekend. Um, what does it mean to you uh, being, being a dad? Um, and I'll, I'll start with this one uh, since I'm the newly minted dad. Uh, By the way, congratulations to you, sir. Thank welcome, you. Welcome to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Is that gray hair we see? <laughs> <laughs> oh, go get it. <laughs> de definitely um, gray hair. Um, but I, I've enjoyed it. Um, it's, it's funny because at one point, like, I didn't think I would 
ever be a dad and now to be a, a dad um it's, it's been everything i i feel like i have big shoes to fill because uh, i had an amazing uh, role model as a father and so that that was part of my my nervousness and we can get into this um, a little bit later is i was such an awesome dad how do i had an awesome dad how do i duplicate that and you know um and I feel like I'm in the honeymoon phase right now because he's only. Yeah. Um, hey, that's a great way of putting it, honeymoon phase. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's only, you know, 10 months and. And he's wonderful. Yeah. You can hold him, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, Dad, fa- fatherhood for you. Um, well, you know, for me, it's a wonderful thing. For the mere fact that I just tried to be the best person that I could, rather it was being a father, whatever, but I tried to be the best person that, you know, someone would look up to and be proud of. And as far as fatherhood, you know, like he said, there's nothing like it. You know, you see your son grow up and it's like, wow, you know, I had something or, you know, I contributed to it. You know, then to see your son just taking off, it just makes you feel, you know, you did what God asked you to do. You know, so I'm gonna clap on that one. You did a good job, sir. You did a good job. You. you know, but the overall experience, you know, you can't beat it once you take on that responsibility. And that's what some of us don't realize. You know, being a father is more than a name, it's a responsibility. You know, you may like, I mean, sometimes you just want to just run out the door and say, forget it, but you can't. You know, because <laughs> that kid or, you know, is dependent on you. So if they see you running away, then that's what they do. You know, so it comes with struggle, it comes with sacrifice, it comes with heartache and, you know, a whole bunch of tears and a bunch of gray hair. But I'm glad that I had the pleasure of, you know, having you as my son and your wonderful sister. And, you know, it's just an awesome feeling. So, uh, Melvin, girl dad. Uh. Oh, child, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different, uh, well, let me, first of all, let me just say, um, being a father, Regardless if it's a father of a son or a daughter, I can only relate to what it's like to be a father of a daughter, but just being a parent is an awesome responsibility, bar none. It's probably, in my mind, the closest thing in terms of being, and I hope people don't look at this the wrong way, but almost being God-like because you're responsible for the creation of a human being and the, the, and the, taking, the taking care of that human being. You're the caretaker of God's gift to you, which is that child. So you experience, when I, when I go through my 19 years of being a father to my, my princess, my daughter, you go through like what Rodney Sr. was saying, a, a huge range of emotions and different stages. I remember <clears throat> when my uh, wife um, first uh, told me that she was pregnant, <clears throat> She took my reaction to it the wrong way. <laughs> I was actually in my mind, because we, we planned to get pregnant and, and have a child. It wasn't like a, a oops baby or surprise baby. And I'm not shading anyone who had that situation. <clears throat> but um, even after she told me, my mind immediately fast forwarded to the, to, to the post birth or after birth of what a major or heavy responsibility is going to be to look after this child, to protect the child, to, 
to teach the child, to, to um, just be there for the child, whether, you know, just basic needs that you need to cover from food, shelter, water, and, and water, excuse me. And I'm reminded, I remember um, I had received this uh, frame when I was a little child passed down to my mom. It's uh, Proverbs 22, 6, train a child in the way that he will go and they will not depart from it. So that was kind of ingrained in my mind even before I was in junior high school, that, that saying. So I think when you're a parent, there's a difference between being a parent and you know, you have to make that balance sometimes, especially when they become a teenager. And I don't want to bash teenagers, but teenagers are a different breed. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, I teach them every day. So. Right, so you know what I'm saying. So, and I'm not saying it's to scare anybody, but I, my, my daughter and I, we were, I'm not saying we're not close now, but she's got this more independent spirit now that she, she thinks she's grown. She's 19 going on 38. So it's kind of hard right now or a challenge for me to interact with her because we got all this social media stuff and it's a lot of uh, uh, things that distract from what I'm trying to continue to sow into her. But by and large, it's been a, it's been a, an exciting trip so far. And I'm only 19 years in Mr. Senior. He's, you know, he's got more experience raising, you know, dealing with adults, but it's been a, it's been a heck of a trip. Let's put it that way. So um, you kind of touched on something I wanted, wanted to actually one of the questions that I did have, and you kind of already uh, explained it, oh. that that moment that you found out that you were going to be a dad. Oh, uh, man, yeah. I was, and like I said, and I'm sorry to cut you off, let me just say this. My wife took it as, like, I didn't, wasn't happy about it. And I was, but I was just so, I was just so, Focused on okay, man, I'm about to be a dad. I got to get stuff together. This it's on now. This is this is not a, a trick. This ain't. This is showtime. You know, it's like okay, <laughs> no turning back. <laughs> so I I was kind of like a little tensed up a little bit. Like I want to be the best dad that I could possibly be. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So um, we kind of have similar experiences. It's, it's actually funny because. I knew my wife was pregnant before she took a test. Like, I'm the one that okay. told her, like, um, I think you need to go <laughs> get a pregnancy test. And she was like, I'm, I don't think I'm pregnant. I'm like, I think you are. And I remember she came up to the school on my lunch, which was kind of like my, okay, she, like, she ain't never, she ain't never brought me lunch before. <laughs> like, yeah, she brought you lunch <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> so, and she's like, you know, she hands me the paper, and I'm looking at it. She was like, do you know what that means? And I'm like, I'm reading it again. She was like, what? <laughs> she was like I'm like, you, you pregnant? Like, I, so she was like, you acted like you were shot. Like, but I think I automatically went, and I, 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 Dad, you can tell me if this was true for you too, Melvin. You kind of confirmed it. I kind of already went to like, okay, I got to do this, 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 yeah. like, Went through like okay, this is the biggest responsibility that I'm ever about to take on. Right. So like, I'm happy, but now it's like 
I got to teach this person how to navigate the world. So. Yeah, it's an awesome responsibility, man. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's natural. I mean, you know, not to cut you guys off, but it's a great responsibility. But I think we as black men need to accept that responsibility more so than we are. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the issues that we have amongst black men, that we don't accept that responsibility. We run from it. Right. You know, I was explaining to my little nephew the other day, because he has a son that's living with his mother, and he wanted to try to get custody. And I said, well, you got to do what you got to do to get your son. You know, you that's your responsibility from this point on until he gets a certain age. I mean, that's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to be a part of anyone's life, whether it's the daughter or the the son, you know, if you want to be in their life, then you got to show some effort and accept that responsibility. So, you know, being a black man in this world, it's it's hard. It's extremely painful. You know, some of the things that you got to show them that they may have to deal with Mm -hmm. that other races won't have to deal with. You have to talk to them in a different tone then you may want to, but in order for them to be that person that you know they can be, then that's what you have to do. You, you know, you kind of just reminded me of, um, it's in Tony Heasy Coast book, um, between the world and me. When he, he said his dad told him, I, I beat you at home basically. So the world out there wouldn't have to. Mm-hmm. And I, I know for me, Cause you go through this, okay, yay, I'm a father, right. and then it's like, holy crap, I'm a father, exactly. Yeah. And then <laughs> when we found out he, you, you know, Ali was gonna be a boy, it's like a whole di- different can of worms um, opened. Yeah. And so with you know having a conversation with my my wife, it's like we got to come to some type of agreements on exactly how, because I would rather him get the discipline and things here than, than out there in the world. And then, uh, I have a unique experience. I'm also a bonus dad, um, to a a 10 year old girl. So, Mm -hmm. and navigating that, that relationship and, uh, right. Cause your interaction with, with your daughter is going to be different than your interaction with your son is because the way that they're, they're hardwired, like, and I don't mean to cut you off, but let me just say this. One of the things that I wanted to be conscientious of raising a daughter is that I'll be the first man in her life. And I did not want to be the first man in her life who would put hands on her. And I mean, in a, in a violent way, I didn't want her to think that that was natural. So I, I went out of my way. Now, I raised my voice. I ain't going to lie. I, you know, had some words and stuff, some battles with her. But I've never laid my hands on her. And I just left that to the wife. And it's interesting, the mother-daughter dynamic, I'm still learning. That's a different dynamic that I do not understand. But I just, I've learned yeah, I'll, to just I'll, walk I'll... away. Because... <laughs> <laughs> These, this generation and my daughter's generation, they are saying things and reacting to parent authority in a way that was not allowed when I was growing up. It was, you do it, and there is no debate, no, no discussion, no compromises. You do it or else. <laughs> and it was clear what the oh else was going to be. <laughs> you, you, you read my mind today because I, I want to talk, talk about that, how 
is parenting different now than when you were you were your childhood when you were raised? Um, Extremely different. And I, I and I'm sure Rodney would say the same thing. He's not that much older than me, but I think we come from the same tradition that you know you got your behind whipped when you when you were out of order. But it wasn't out of you know anger. It was out of love. Like yo. I need your attention. You're not listening to me when I tell you don't do it. So now let me bring some pain (laughs) (laughs) and maybe you'll remember. And then nowadays it's like a a, a child can call the police on their parent for trying to do some discipline. And I I just couldn't fathom doing that to to my mom. And I'll just throw this in here. I'm I'm unfortunately, and and I'm not playing victim, but I'm one of the high statistics of black males who grew up without a father. But I'm also a success story because I didn't wind, I didn't wind up, you know, in jail or, you know, doing crimes and stuff because they want society wants to equate, oh, your father wasn't in your life. You're gonna you're not gonna be any good. And that's not necessarily true. So I just want to just throw that out there. But I think it is important to have both parents in the child's life, whether they are married or not. I think it, it it's very helpful. So um two things and dad you can touch on both of these two um parenting today versus um when when you were growing up and then melvin also touched on um being um that that typical stereotype oh his father wasn't in his life because i i I know you've had a similar experience and i've kind of touched on it um, a, a few podcasts ago, um, cause I think I mentioned something about, you know, I can only remember seeing your father in my 37, almost 37 years now, probably a handful of times in, in, in my life. So, um, you can touch on either one of those. Well, the first topic, uh, you know, raising us a kid <clears throat> back when I was, um, had my first child, uh, you know, at 19 versus today. And I think the biggest thing that we did was, you know, we don't allow parents to be parents, you know, uh, to me, and maybe it's just me, but I think, you know, we may have disliked our parents when we were coming up because we got our butt beat or whooping as they put it back then. And now that we look back on it, it's like, wow, I'm glad my mom did whip my butt. And we didn't say, butt. Because we turned out the way we are because they instilled in us principles and they instilled in us the responsibility of being a person. You know, rather it was cleaning up the kitchen, cleaning up your room, making your bed, going to school. You know, there was consequences for not doing those things. And that consequence was what? Getting your butt beat. (laughs) So you did it knowing that, hey, if I don't, this is what's going to happen. And the key is today... They have no interest in doing anything, rather it's cleaning up their room, getting a job, driving or anything. And we've taken that away from the parents to be parents. You know, you got to discipline a child and you may not like it, but that's part of their responsibility when they say that you are their parent. You know, you're going to have to be the bad guy and you may not want to be the bad person, but you just have to do what you got to do to raise that kid. So when they have kids, they know what it is it's about as far as responsibility. And I mean, when we were coming, it was not just our parents that were allowed to, quote, give us a spanking or whatever, but you go to school 
and you had the principal or the gym teacher who also had this thing called a paddle. And if you didn't do what you were supposed to, that paddle came out. And it gets to the point where you'd rather have that teacher or principal give you a paddle than your mama when she got you home. Because that paddle was only maybe five or ten licks. But when you got home, you got knocked out. Okay? So that was the difference then. But it made you accept your role and and you learned the responsibility and to respect other people. That was the biggest thing. You knew that you wasn't the biggest, baddest thing around because there was somebody that could knock you out. You know, kids today don't, well, I'm, I ain't nobody going to do nothing to me because right. I'm so big and I'm so what. So that's the first difference. And then as far as being a parent, uh, you know, once you get my age and you look back and you get grandkids, you say, wow, you know, they're, they did do it. You know, you take pride and pressure and pleasure when you see it like, wow, okay. Mm -hmm." You know, my little nephew told me the other day, you know, that he was living his best life at 16, you know. (laughs) And it was like, okay, you think so, (laughs) you know. But right now I'm living my best life because I can say, isn't it wonderful being a parent to my kids? And they just look at me. (laughs) because <laughs> you know we couldn't wait to be parents when we were 16 and 17 it's like oh well, you know when i get 18 i'm out of here mm-hmm. but now they had that responsibility you just sit back and you just enjoy the view so um i so f- for for me i i had the old school parent it's it's funny because I'm, I'm thinking about um my uh you you re- probably remember Adam dad uh, my friend from high school and you know he was like oh we we got to take you home cuz your dad don't play so uh, <laughs> for i'm very thankful like it's, 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 I, I think back to like my teenage years or whatever I'm like my parents was tough but like now having that that moment to be able to reflect like I'm very thankful that I had tough parents that now I was like they dang they they super cared for me um and now being a parent it's like okay I, I you know there's certain lessons that I, I that I want to instill in, in my kids um both you guys touched on something that um, I, I think that's important um, about coming from a, a single mother household and just talk about how that impacted you once you became a, a parent. You want me to start or? Whoever. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, <clears throat> the interesting thing <clears throat> as I reflect on growing up, um, without the, my father in, uh, in the household was that um, I did have male role models. My mom did <clears throat> make an effort. Thank God I had grandparents who were still married. So I had my grandfather as the male energy, male role model, and I had my grandmother as the female energy mother. As a matter of fact, I was so close and I stayed with them so often because my mom, her work, she worked nights, so I didn't see her a lot during the the day, but the weekend she would get me and uh, we would go skating, roller skating, all that stuff. But I would <clears throat> call my um, my grandparents. I didn't call them grandparents. I called them mom and dad because that was kind of like the role that they played in my life because of the fact that my mom and my dad 
who were married, but they got divorced when I was two. So, of course, at two, I don't have any remembrance of that union. So, growing up, I didn't really have, um, didn't really have like any kind of ill thoughts. And I think my mom probably went out of her way not to speak ill of them, even though as I got older, she did make a couple of references that were not <laughs> so friendly. <laughs> But um, overall, it wasn't, it's weird because people would ask me that. I say, oh, you know, I, I know I got a dad out there somewhere, but it wasn't like I felt like I was um, handicapped or disabled by that. And it might have been, again, because my mom did have some, like her brother, you know, he, would, he was like my first pen pal. It was before we had Instagram and email. He would write me letters and we would have family reunions. So I was around males who were married and who had children. So I did see that with my own eyes, that this is a, a an existence that, you know, does exist. Um, so I didn't grow, I didn't, and I guess it's just not in my heart, I didn't grow up hating my dad, because I, and I'll throw this in here, when I finally met him, which I was, I might have been like 25, and what was interesting, hope I'll make this story longer than what it should, but just let me just give you the background. When I, met my dad it was really due to my i have a sister here in in michigan and she found me through looking at the yelp through the yellow pages because there's not a lot of worthies in the yellow pages this one before we had internet or whatever and she found me and called my mom and i was coming home from work and my mom told me hey your sister just called you i was like huh sister yeah she wants to meet you blah 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 so make a long story we met Fast forward, that led to me meeting my dad. When I met my dad, it was told to me after the fact that they were expecting me to come come to the meeting, you know, angry and, you know, wanting to fight and, you know, swing on them. And I didn't do that. I just came, hey, how you doing, da, da, da. And I'm meeting other family members that I've met, that hadn't met or have met for the first time. And one of my uncles, his name is Uncle Ted, he said, you know, I'm, was really uh, impressed with your character, Victor. That's my middle name. He said, "We we thought you, you were gonna just go crazy on your dad when you you know first time meeting meeting him because you know he wasn't in your life or whatever." And I said, "Yeah, um, I appreciate you sharing that with me, but it's just I don't have any hate in my heart for the man. I just never knew him, so it's hard for me to hate somebody that I don't know. And and that's kind of a different perspective. I know other people don't feel the same way, but I just." didn't feel that hate to him, but, you know, we, we get along now, I visit with him, you know, we develop in a relationship, but the relationship that we could have had as a, ch when I was a child and teenager and all that, that's lost. You can't, can't get that back, but all I can do is just start with today and deal with what I got now and make the best of it. Did I answer your question? Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he, he definitely Sorry. answered nope. Um, Dad? Well, you know, uh, my father was just a father in words. You know, the word father. That was it. You know, we never had a real relationship. Even though I knew him, I could see him and visit him and things like that. But as far as him accepting the responsibility of being a father, he just never would. Even to the day he died, you know, I was just, quote, a person in his life. You know, so my point is, you know, it was he was just there and so i always said that i was going to be a better father than my father was toward to me and that's one of the things that i tried to work for to be quote a father and not just you know somebody in name 
So I tried to show my kids and other young men who didn't have fathers what it was like to be a father. And, you know, just thinking, you know, I was talking to this young man named Omar and, you know, he calls me his father when we're talking and it's like, Mr. Fresh, I remember when you told me that you was going to, if I did anything else. And from that point on, he was a man. So, you know, that's what I take pride in as far as that, you know. So as far as my relationship with my father, you know, we had one, but it was just limited. So I just wanted to be a better person all the way around to be a father to my kids no matter what. So so you, um, you both of you guys touched on something. Um, the the influence, the, the role of other um, men play, play, played in your life. Do you think um, black men today do enough to, to be role models to uh, the, the younger gener- generation and why, why is it important? Um, and I can just start off because as a teacher, like, I feel like every year I get a chance to be a, a role model, an influencer, because that's like the the, the new <laughs> catchy word to to every student I come in contact with, and I feel like it's it's a big responsibility and honor that I'm entrusted with someone's kid um, during the the day. But not only that, like I try to be that role model no matter where I'm at or who I'm interacting with. And I personally feel like one of the, the reasons that we, we I guess, say, can say struggle as a people is it's like I'm going to worry about my house and no, nobody else's house. Um, so just talk about the 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 impact that that black men can just have just being um uh, role models uh i'll start i'll start with the the senior the 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 wise one (laughs) well you know as far as being a role model i mean it's fun you know i had my uncle duck that you know when i saw his house back in the day it's like wow uncle duck you live here (laughs) so that influenced me to say well i could live like that one day and then i had a couple of other uncles who took me under their sleeve and or arm or whatever and just instilled stuff in me to show me how to do things and going to school you know you get the teachers that you know, just take you under their wing. I mean, I was blessed to have uh, two teachers, Miss Vance and Miss Bonner, that treated me as their son. I mean, one of them gave me a graduation party. The other one taught me how to drive, like, just let me use their car. I mean, Monday through Friday, I would just pick up this teacher, take her to work, bring her home, and keep the car until the weekend. So, you know, it being a role model is it's there, you know, we just have to accept it and keep it alive, you know, because most of these young men, whether they have a father at home or not, you know, they're looking for a role model. You know, their father may be somebody in their life and then they see how you do things versus how their father does. It's like, wow, you know, I like the way Mr. Fresh do it better than my dad, but I can't tell my dad that. I'm just going to go along with the program, (laughs) you know. So, I mean, it it has a, a, it's a play, you know, so being a role model and 
you know, when you get that feedback that you had some part of somebody else's life, it makes you feel good. Yeah. I think um, <clears throat> the whole role model title is inherited as an, as an adult. And you don't even have to be an adult to be a role model to someone who's younger than you. And you can also be a role model to someone who's older than you. It just comes with wisdom and experience. And, you know, you're walking, you know, trying to walk that path that God wants you to walk. Uh, one of the things that impressed me as a child growing up without a father that I saw around me, especially when I went to my family reunions, I have an uncle. His name is Uncle Walter. He's been married to his wife, Josephine, uh, about 60 years. So even though my mom didn't have that experience being married that long, I still saw that possibility around me, her own brother being one, and then other people in the neighborhood that I grew up who were married, a, a very good friend, best friend of mine, I, <clears throat> his name is Kevin, I ain't gonna throw his full name out, <laughs> but um, I've known him since I was probably four, so I would say he might be the oldest friend that I have to date. I've known him since I was four, and he grew up with parents. He's got a brother and a sister, so I did see that even though, I, but it never made me feel like, um, like a victim or woe is me. It was just, it just is. And I was living with my grandparents, so that dynamic of male, female, I was already immersed in it, even though they were my grandparents, but it's still the father, mother dynamic, at least in my mind. And I think that, um, you know, there's this controversy that Charles Barkley said, oh yeah, I ain't no role model, blah, blah, blah. Well, he is one whether he wants to, to be or not, and it is a responsibility for, these uh, stars, if they really care about the community, to conduct themselves in a way that that is befitting someone who's dignified, and you know, we 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 beat our chest about how much money we make, but we can't do the same thing in terms of how we treat each other. You know, we you know we talk down to each other because we don't have a certain type of uh, car or shoes or whatever, which is all superficial. But we never really dig deeper and look at someone's character and you know, what kind of energy, positive energy that they have to share with people. Are they willing to help people? So you got you got a different mixture, and these kids are so challenged now, especially with, you know, social media and the easy access to influences, like you said, Rodney. Um, the whole thing is called influencer. So how are you going to influence? You're going to influence in a positive way or a negative way? And these kids who get access to these phones, they're getting exposed and bombarded. Their minds are getting exposed and bombarded with both sides. And it's just like, which one is going to be more appealing? Which one is more exciting? And unfortunately, on the surface, if you're not thinking, the negative influencers, they're more exciting to watch. And some kids will kind of pattern themselves after that, not knowing that it's a destructive path. But definitely being a role model, it's, it's inherent just as soon as you're born, you're going to be building yourself up or your surroundings or your environment. You're going to be somebody's role model, whether you even if you never meet them. I've got role models like Rodney Sr. is a role model of mine. Never told him that, but he is. Doesn't necessarily need to know that because he's walking. <laughs> he's, he's, he's walking in his purpose, trying to be, a, you know, being a good person. To me, that's a great role model. I've got role models that I've never met and never will meet. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a person that you know that can be a role model. Yeah, because I, I know for me, 
and and people first person they know I I I love and and, and dear is Muhammad Ali. Oh yeah. Uh, the he he was the real goat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um he he influenced me on like so many levels. Like he he was part of the reason like I dug into the the Vietnam War and the civil rights movement and I mean to to have that conviction where you you have reached the pinnacle of your career and say I'm not gonna fight, right? And risk it, risk everything, risk going to jail, um, and it's funny to me now because I see so much criticism of <coughs> LeBron James, and I'm like, he's never had a scandal. Mm-hmm. He's built the schools. He sent. I want to say close to 1,200 kids. He paid their college tuition. Uh, he he's been married to his high school sweetheart his, his his whole life, and it's like, why do we try to victimize and crucify strong strong black role models? But we'll prop up um, degenerates, yeah, yeah in, 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 in a heartbeat, <laughs> right? Um, so, just talk about being, because uh, you both have been married for for a very long time now, uh, and I'm coming up on year three. So, congratulations, sir! You got quite <laughs> ways to go. You're yeah. still a young buck. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, talk about that dynamic of also being a a husband as a black male and. Uh, because some some people would say numbers would say we don't exist. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I've been married going on forty four years, and congratulations, sir. Uh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> and you know, if you really sit down and examine your life, you know, when you get married or why you got married or who you marrying, you know, it all plays a role in who you are. You know, um, I met my wife. When I was 16, back in high school, and we hit it off, and we both had a work ethic, and we both had similar issues at home, you know, and we just developed a a deep relationship. And I would say year after year, you know, it only gets stronger. And the other day, I was talking to my wife, and she was saying that, you know, you're my best friend. And I'm looking at her like, when did that come about? (laughs) You know, I thought... Sheila or one of her other or Harriet. Were, or Harriet was her best friend. It was like, no, nah, you're my best friend. So, you know, uh, that's the way I look at it. And, you know, as far as marriage is concerned, I will always, quote, like my wife. You know? <laughs> um, Careful, this is being recorded <laughs> for prosperity. <laughs> and as I told her, you know, to me, there's a difference between liking somebody and loving somebody. And the difference is, you know, when you like that person, you do whatever it is to, quote, get along with that person. You may not agree, but you do everything that you can to get along. But when you love somebody, you know, it's like, well, you stop doing it. So I would rather for her to like me because then we try to get along than love me because you love me. You say, well, you love me. And it's like, yeah, but I didn't love you that much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, when you like somebody, you go to see the point, you ride the rise or everything. 
But when you get that love feeling, as they say, you know, you go to see the point, they say you want to go, no, nah, I want to ride that ride. <laughs> Everything becomes negative or, you know, you put it on a different level. So, I mean, if you enjoy that person and you like that person, you will have much more, quote, fun. You know, the love part is like, it's there. But, you know, when you love them, you just deal with it. But when you like that person, you enjoy it. And you can express it a lot easier when you like them. I mean, you look, it's like, man, I like you. <laughs> you know, as opposed to love, it's like that's what God put in your heart. Mm-hmm. But when you like them, you love them in your head and your heart. Right. So that's the way I look at it. And it's, it's paid off, you know, 44 years and we... We have our little issues, and I like her so much that I go in the basement when I know there's a problem. Thank God for basements. <laughs> you I was know? just in my last night. <laughs> and I love her so much that I go get her flowers and do all that well, traditional stuff. So, you know, I do the love part, and I do the liking part. So it goes hand in hand. Cool. Uh, for me, <clears throat> I've been married. Matter of fact, my wife and I just celebrated our 23rd anniversary on may 23rd uh, congratulations. congratulations happy 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 thank you so much we uh went out to catalina island but we had a blast but um i want to go to catalina oh it's nice it's nice it's similar to Mackinac, but we get off the subject we can talk about that later. <laughs> um <clears throat> just give you a brief story how we met <clears throat> we met at um hbcu shout out to all hbcu that's right wilberforce, wilberforce. university wilberforce 1856 in case you guys didn't know <laughs> when it was founded <laughs> no, but I'm talking about when it was founded. <laughs> I was there. A lot of people too. don't know the history, but we don't even go into that anymore. But anyway, we, that's how we met. And um, when we first met, it, it was it was it's interesting because I didn't really have her on my radar as someone to to like date or pursue. I just thought she was a real, and she is. She is a, a true, genuine, really nice person, bubbly, very pretty. But I just never was not pursuing her and we just grew a a friendship so to speak not so to speak. we actually grew a friendship before we started actually dating and um it just grew from there we when we both um graduated she's from cali i'm from michigan so long distance relationship for almost two years but somehow we were able to keep it together it's it's not easy so i don't really recommend long distance but it's not doesn't mean that it's not possible, but I don't recommend it. So I'm just going to be truthful on that. But uh, we, um, yeah, so the the whole marriage thing, just like Rodney Sr. was saying, is that, you know, it love is a part of it. But I think what he was saying in terms of the like, you got to like the person as well. Because you can love someone and not like them. And that, that like is, is not... It, 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 Definitely is a foundation to keeping you guys together because you can still, I love you, but I don't want to be with you anymore. You know, or I love you, you know, as a sacrifice, but like you want to be with somebody. Love is crucial and it's, you know, great, but I think you got to have both in order to sustain a marriage. That's been my experience thus far, and I've been observing other married couples because we used to go to uh, Rodney and I and, and his beautiful bride, Tammy, go on the marriage retreats. We talk about marriage and stuff like that. So you get to see other married couples who've been married 60 years, 40 years, 50 years. Like, wow, okay, this is definitely something that can happen that is possible. It's just that married couples are not the most exciting in this society for whatever reason. And we need to kind of reverse that. Right now, it's all about baby mamas, daddy mamas, and getting with as many people as you can get with. That's the most exciting thing, but it's... 
long term it doesn't you don't get any um any substance or healing from that and i think at least in my experience has been it's been awesome being married for 23 years and i'm looking forward to, to the next 23. so um getting um kind of getting close to the end so um we talked about this before recording um coming um uh, with some s- solutions for people um so i got two two <coughs> questions um that come to mind um and i'll start with what do you think is the the biggest challenge facing black men today um you want me to go first or senior mm. <laughs> I'll let you go first. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'll take a stab at it. I think the biggest challenge is image. We get a we get a bad um, in terms of media, and people need to be really careful with uh, the images that are being pushed on us by media. The the programming. That's why they call it programming. They're conditioning your mind. You know, we are seen as you know violent individuals, and that's what they post on the news the most. They don't they don't show a lot of intelligent black men regardless of their educational levels. They're not showing them doing positive things in the in the community. They're not showing them being role positive role models. They don't, they don't show that a, enough. But they love showing negative stuff. That the negative stuff is what sells advertisement and you know it, it fills the jails. You know, these private corporations have these jail these beds waiting for our young black men. We're we're the most targeted even though there's white people that go to jail too, but the, the target is definitely us. We, we, we are their bread and butter in terms of incarceration. And that's probably another show that you may have, but I think that we, we have to do a better job in rejecting the negative images that are constantly coming um, out of uh, mainstream media and in social media. There's not enough positive, and we have to continuously fight that battle. We, we glamorize, you know, kicking somebody's butt over stupid stuff, whatever, whatever it may be. But we don't glamorize, you know, trying to help each other and uplift each other with words of affirmation. Hey, hey my brother, blah, 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 how you doing, da, 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 How can I help you today? Is there anything, are you going through anything? We don't, we're not being taught how to be more loving to each other um, as a male race to each other as well. We are constantly battling, we have this, whole thing where, you know, I'm, if, if I, I'm, the, I'm the best guy because I can, you know, curse the most. You know, we got this false sense of uh, what it is to be a true man. And I think we've gone off the rails on that. We do a lot of childish stuff, but we call ourselves men, and they, they are polar opposites. So I think that's all I got to say on that. I would venture to say one of the biggest challenges that I see us as African-American men is, like Melvin said, our image. I mean, we have been portrayed to be, quote, more negative in this world than we are positive. And if you really analyzed it, you know, is that image that, you know, they want they portray us as and not the image that we really are. Because if you really looked at us, you know, we do have a soul, we do have minds, and we have our opinions. And most of the times that's where it comes into being the question is, is our opinion. They don't want our opinion on what's, quote, right. They would have it on what's fair as opposed to what's right. 
And so I would say that's the biggest fight that we have. I mean, when the police pull over, you know, it's not a matter of why. It's the image that they see a black person. So we are battling that 24-7, you know, to just survive. So, you know, black men are out here just trying to survive and to keep a job, keep their responsibilities of having a family, of the responsibilities that they do accept. But, you know, we having to fight this negative image just to live. I mean, we can't just go to a grocery store or to a restaurant and be perceived as a customer. We're the black customer. You know, so it's that image that we try to not get away from, but the image that we that's just out there, you know. So that's the biggest thing. And, you know, with, with our children, especially with our young men and our daughters, you know, we as black, quote, happy married men want to portray that, you know, you can do this. You know, it's an uphill fight, but we can because we had a whole lot of great African-American men that fought for us to be where we are today, you know. When you look at Martin Luther King, Malcolm, and all those, they had wives, and they fought, and they stood up. No matter what the image that they tried to portray about them on the news, they were happily married men that took their, and they always spoke highly of their wife, no matter what. So, you know, it's that image that we just try to fight and keep going. And 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 for, when it comes to, because when I think of image and everything, I think about, the how black children in particular black males are are treated in in the education system and i kind of made it my fight that because at one school i worked at i'm like give me all the problem kids like i don't like they not the problem is is nobody wants to understand them like what's what's really going on um and so I've tried to fight that image that black that black men don't don't care about their education because I I feel like it's easy for us to get rolled into these these media these social media images and when I see other teachers come in contact with some of the kids, it's like you you killing them before you, before they even had a chance. Like you already have this preconceived mm-hmm. notion that, Oh, they're going to be a problem. That's why I personally, and I know some teachers now they, they either have done this or they're going to do it when the kids come back in the fall and don't do this. Don't go to the previous teacher and say, well, how were these kids? Because you are preparing for something. Next. Yeah, you yeah. you you're preparing yourself for something that may not be true, and if it's true, you gotta get down to the to the root cause of, of, of what's really going on. Because I personally have found that the the toughest kids are the most loving and the most rewarding once they don't know that you actually care about them, mm-hmm. and so. I think of the the long term image and the long term harm that certain stereotypes that's been placed on particularly black boys do over time. Um, so one of the in the the and I'm going to end it with with this question. 
what advice would you give a a, a new father? Um, I, I I can. That's a that's a great question. Because <laughs> uh, being a father is not it's not it's not a. I don't want to scare anybody. It's not a. It's a, it's an awesome task. It's not it's not simple though, because you're you're dealing with an a, a individual who is developing day by day with his or her own psychological makeup characteristics. There's going to be some things that you're going to try to instruct, and they're going to reject it. And I think for me, I'll just speak for me. I've had to learn how to adapt to that. Because I come from a world where it was this way, and there is no discussion on it. But I, but even even if you know you're right, is it's you know you're trying to keep the child from walking off the cliff and say, hey, you keep one more step and you're done. And they, I'll give you an example. I remember when my daughter was, I think she might have been two or three, and she, I was taking her to daycare. I was getting ready to go to work, and she was walking down the steps ahead of me. I said. Don't look at me. Look at what you're doing. Keep your look at where you're walking. And she kept looking back at me, and lo and behold, she fell down the steps, busted her lip. So now I gotta take her to daycare with a busted lip, hoping they don't think that I'm being <laughs> that I was abusive. <laughs> so it's like, okay, blackmail, oh, you know, you try to hope that that doesn't become a stereotype. But they they knew my character, and I'm like. Those are the, I mean, that's kind of like an allegory in a way, even though it happened in real life. Those are the, some the things you're going to constantly have to battle is to try to get your child to understand that what you're, the instructions that you're giving them is for their benefit. It's not to boss them around or create a prison for them. And then, you know, sometimes we can't go overboard with that, but trying to help them understand that, hey, we're trying to give you instructions so you don't make unnecessary mistakes. And I think that's probably the toughest thing. And I don't, I don't know if there's a blueprint on it. Some children will take to the instructions readily. And some children just say, nah, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. Dad? Well, you know, if I had to be a parent today, I'd probably just, hmm. Cry. <laughs> Cry. I couldn't do it again. <laughs> But overall, you know, it's like grandkids, you know, when the grandkids come over, you just let them get away with everything. Yeah. You know, it's no <laughs> such word. It's no, it's like you, you let them hit you that you wouldn't take from, you let them say things that you wouldn't let your kids say or do. Uh -huh. But, you know, after you sit back and you analyze the whole day, you know, to be a parent is to be one of the best pe persons that you could be. And that is to look at that young person and help them to develop to be the best person that they are, knowing that there are going to be different questions or different thoughts. You just, you know, you try to accept it and you move on, especially in this day and time. But if you just like my son and Melvin has said, you know, if you just take time out just to listen to them and observe what they're doing, you know, you it's a lot easier to handle them. You know, because you, you, you just ask them where they're coming from. And they'll give you an answer. You either accept it or you can try to show them a different way to do it. And if they accept it, great. If they don't because they came out with something called an iPhone that <laughs> you didn't have when you was coming up, then you got to deal with it, you know. But 
you know, being a parent today takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of understanding. It takes a lot of wit. You got to have a sense of humor. You got to be able to laugh with them and cry with them and just be there for them. It's like being a parent. You know, you just got to be there. And, you know, hopefully when they're your parent, because, you know, our parents get old and we got to watch after them and it's like, wow, they really do care about me. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, <laughs> or I really did have an impact on this person because, Look how they're looking after me. Right. So you just try to give them the same thing that you want them to give you when you reach that milestone one day that you got to ask them, well, how do I do this? Or why <laughs> am I doing it? And they look at you like like you looking at them now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just fun. I guess, um, I guess I got a couple of things. Um, being a, a new parent to a 10-month-old and being a bonus parent to to a ten year old, uh, and I'm thinking about the the Denzel Washington, um, and this is one of my dad's favorite part from Fences when he told his son, "I ain't gotta, they gotta like you." <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm tr- like, so with my ten month old, <clears throat> I want him to explore with with some type of limit because you know he explore too much you're gonna get hurt right but i also don't want to kill his curiosity so right. yeah finding that balance yeah my 10 year old and i think a lot of parents make the mistake i don't gotta like you i don't want to i'm not your friend like right. You're not going to like me all the time. Like, I'm going to say some things that you're not going to understand why I'm saying this, but I'm saying it for your own benefit. But I'm not your friend, so don't expect everything to be all, all rosy. Right. Like, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Now, a lot of people, and I'm sorry to cut you off, a lot of people don't understand that that's one of the keys in balancing your relationship with your child is knowing the difference between friend and parent. And like in my household, I am unequivocally the undisputed bad guy. And my wife, bless her heart, she tries to be the mediator and the friend. And I have to balance it out because, like you said, Rodney Jr., you got to put it out there for him. You're not gonna always, you're not gonna like what I like me sometimes. It's just the way it is. But I'm giving you the, these instructions or this direction. And when you mature and get wise, you'll understand. But you don't understand it now. And that's where I guess. I had to learn that and be patient. Yeah, and I and I guess because it's di- I, it's different for for the mom, the the wife. Because I'll I'll end it with this story. So yesterday, I'm checking London's like thank God, like online school is about to be over. I'm going over London's work. I get to our social studies project. Now, you live with a social studies teacher, for, for better or worse. Right. <laughs> and so, mind you, I saw this project last week. There's 10 slides to it. Your teacher told you to do four. Each one you do extra is extra credit. So, me and your mom told you to do all 10. Right. So (laughs) yesterday is due. Yeah, she had a conniption about that. Uh, My name was Mud for a few days because I'm like, you need to do all 10. And she looking at her mom for an hour. She's like, no, you need to do all 10. (laughs) So yesterday come, I'm going over it's due. We went from 10 slides to six. 
What happened to the other slides? Mm-hmm. She like, well, I deleted them. Oh. Why did you delete She's them? She's yeah. Crafty. Yeah. So I'm like, we can't get them back. So mind well, she you, she knew that. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. <laughs> yeah. So you gotta watch her. <laughs> hey. So so mind you, I didn't already seen this. So you deleted. I know you can't get them back. She so goes, well, I didn't know what you do. You live with a social studies teacher, so that's not an excuse. Right. So she's been without her phone. So. I'm like, well, me, me and your mom got to talk because, you know, you were supposed to get your phone back today. But How old is she again? She's 10. Woo. So my wife was like, well, we <laughs> we told her if, you know, if she behaved and she didn't lie, that she could get her phone back. So I'm like, she may not have lied, but this behavior to me doesn't warrant her getting her phone back. You can't reward bad behavior. Yeah. Like, I think this falls under the behavior thing. Yeah. So, I, like, and I know it's a point, like, me and Ali are in our honeymoon phase. Like, he see me, he light up, he trying to crawl off the bed to, to me. Mm-hmm. But I know as he gets older, it's, it's especially those teenage years, like, Man. I don't expect to be his friend. Like, when he, now, when he turns... 20, 21, 22. Full circle. Then, okay, we we can rekindle this this friendship. But so you in a good spot because you knew that already. At that, right. see, I I got shocked. And what what you're just saying has been my experience with my wonderful daughter. Because right now we 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 butt heads a lot. She's a teenager, and it started. I told my wife, and I don't mean to drag this segment out, but I told my wife. I think it was around maybe third. No, I think fourteen is when it was a drastic change in, in her, and it was almost like I didn't know who I was talking to anymore. I'm like, I don't even recognize. I didn't say that to her, but I'm like, I'm saying to myself as I'm looking, I'm like, I don't even know. Who That's this not my baby is. girl. <laughs> exactly, and it was just like, and I had to really adapt and come to grips with what this person was turning into, which I didn't necessarily agree with some of the stuff that she was doing. And Rodney can attest, I've had some some shout outs, but never laid hands on her. I won't put that for the record. But uh yeah, you you are stuff you are you are ahead of the game by just knowing that that's coming. Cause I didn't know that. So you you are you are in good shape. Yeah, and I, and I, <laughs> I think my my biggest battle is kind of like with you, is my wife wants to be oh the the con, yeah. cons, consoler. I'm like Ain't nothing wrong with the girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. right. Like she'll be fine. She she may be mad. She may be crying out, but in the long run, she'll be fine. Right, right. Yeah, she'll get over it. Yeah. But you can't say that because it's just life. You know, you may want to think it, but you gotta find you gotta find that balance. So you can't keep a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. You know, do you want to spoil the relationship or do you want a relationship? So when she does figure out, wow. You know, that she can come back and say, I love you or I care about you. But if you destroy that relationship, she won't know how or she may not want to come back when she gets a little older to say, you know, I love you. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to find that balance to keep a relationship going. You know, sometimes, you know, it's like they say, you got to let them touch that skillet to see that it's hot. Right. So sometimes yeah. you just go ahead, go ahead and do it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bam. Yeah. We, we passed some times where. 
like with online schools. She's like, well, I did it. I'm like, well, it's not right. And then I, it gets to the point where like, go ahead, turn in. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens, right? And then, she, learn the hard way, right? and then she'll get it back. She's like, I didn't get any right. I'm like, I told you. Right. <laughs> you know, but you can't say I told you. You just go along with the program. It's like, well, let's do it over and let's try it this way. But to say I told you, then they get... Well, if you told me, I would have did it right. Okay, right. Then they get a little attitude, so it's like you got you got to be the submissive one to say, okay, let's do this again. And so I think we can wrap up there. It's it's, all day with this one. Yeah, (laughs) because it's it's funny because I was talking to my friend Darnell that doesn't have kids, not married, Uh and um, I was just you know talking to him about a couple of things, and I was like. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. And I'm like, you know, it's part of being a, a husband and uh, try, trying to be, you know, f- working full time, being a bonus dad, yeah. and being a dad. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, my question to both of you, how do you feel now that you do have the responsibility? You got the two and you got the one. How does it make you feel at the end of the day? Do you say it was worth it or it wasn't worth it? Man, that's a trick question. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you, there's been sometimes when I'm in my feelings and I'm like, and I have to be like, ask forgiveness from God for feeling that way. I'm like, man, I often, I don't even want to say it, but sometimes I feel like if I had another one, <laughs> I could have some leverage. Mm-hmm. Because she'll see that the other child is, and there's no guarantee that the other child is going to do what you want it to do anyway. Right. But you could, she could kind of see that the other child is going to get an easier way in the household because they follow directions or instructions. Mm-hmm. But I don't have that. I just got the one, and I can only focus on that one and trying to. So what I have tried to do is kind of show Kimora that. I said her name, but that's all right. Um, one thing I tried to impress upon her is that I'm, I am not going to reward bad behavior regardless of what it is. And so that's been kind of like our battle in terms of what's the definition of a bad bad behavior. And right. I have to explain it to her and then she pretend like she don't know what I'm talking about, you know, and or, or she'll run to mom for cover. Mm-hmm. You know, and they and children, I'll just say this, children are masters. Don't underestimate them. I don't care what how old they are. They are <laughs> yeah, they are masters at playing one parent against the other. So that's going to be one of your your first signs. That you and your your spouse or your partner, whoever, y'all need to put up a good, you know, unilateral front against that child, letting that child know that you guys are on the same page at all times, and that if if dad says no, you can't go to mom and get mom to veto that no, and vice versa. If mom says no, you can't go to dad and veto and get that that decision vetoed, because children are masters at that. So for me, is it worth it? Definitely. Um, I, I'm glad Ali is here because, like, having an actual biological child, like, I don't have to, I don't say compete, but deal with the the other father. Like, right. I don't have to worry about Ali coming home and say, well, my dad said this. Right. So- he going to say this is what it is like (laughs) yeah that's another dynamic that you're dealing with that i couldn't necessarily relate to because you have another parent of your 
of your daughter that could try to weigh in on decisions that are made regarding that child. And so all three of you guys, as parents, have to be on the same page. I don't know how you're able to manage that, but I'm sure that's got that can be tough. To be like, yo, she's living with us. We need you to support our decisions. You know, you you still the biological parent, the father, but my rules. Yeah, go, and, and this is my house. <laughs> and I've tried to for her to see like me and him get along. Okay, like cool. behind closed doors, it, it may be different, uh-huh. but I'm always projecting. Me and your actual dad, we, we, we get along, we, we have this relationship. Yeah. But I also know being a high school teacher, it's going to become a point where she's going to tell me, well, you ain't my daddy anyway. Oh, my God. Be- yeah. Oh, man. And <laughs> like, that's going to be something, boy. And that's why I look at, you know, I look at Ali like, eh, I ain't got to deal with that with you because you can't say it. You're stuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I so, wish you wasn't my daddy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, and that's the other thing that I've told my wife. Like, I don't want it to become when Ali gets older. Well, I didn't. London telling Ali. Well, I didn't have to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Well, you won't because she's ten, he's one, and by the time he gets ready to really listen to her, she be gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah. But having Ali is just. I don't, it's a different type of love. Yeah. Like when it's biological plus he's a, a a male, it's a different dynamic interaction. That's what I was saying with my my relationship with my daughter. It's a different uh interaction and I can only imagine what it is to have a a son, but I know that having a daughter is just it's it's I don't know, for me it's more complicated than it would to be to have a son. Cause you got to dance around certain things and you can't be as, I don't know, term aggressive or whatever with a, with a female, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you know, their self image is important. I mean, it's, it's important for a male, but I can kind of deal with that cause I am a male, but mm-hmm. the daughter, the female, all the, the, it's, it's a different dynamic. It's, it's a little trickier, but it's been rewarding, but it's just, and it's taught me a lot about myself as well in terms of learning to be patient and, um, Rodney Sr. has counseled me on a couple of things. And <laughs> but uh, it, it's definitely, like I, like I started at the beginning of this podcast, it's the most daunting task. I think anyone, if you're serious and you really want to be the parent and in that child's life, it's going to be the most, and I'm not trying to scare anybody because you should embrace it. It's, it's an honor to be a parent. Let me just say it that way. It's, it's an honor. Yeah, and I, I'll wrap up by saying... Um... With Ali, I've already, because my dad will remember this. Like we did father son trips when I was in high school to Atlanta and to to a conference, and I'm I'm like, well, I want to expound upon that with Ali. Like I want when he's five, I'm planning for us to do a father son trip every year till he's eighteen, because I I feel like. Having that male bonding time when it's just me and him is important. It's certain like lessons that he I feel like he can only get from a, a male point of view. So 
that's what I'm I'm most looking forward to. My wife was like, you've already planned your first two trips. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> with me, right? <laughs> well, yeah. You, the first one is with you. We're going to. Um, the, no, the, that's what your wife was saying. No. <laughs> <trips with> her. <laughs> no. So my, my goal for the first one, um, God willing, his great grandfather is still um, living. My, my mom, that mm-hmm. I want all four of us to go down to the Ali Center in Louisville. Oh, okay. Because I, I, I want him to, to know. <laughs> that he was named after his first and his middle name. He was named after greatness and mm-hmm. why he got his name. So. Yeah. so he can see, oh, this is the the image. This is the legend right here. Okay. So I'm going to end it there. This has been a, a great podcast. We could we could roll this into a part two real, real easily. Um, hit the subscribe button if you already haven't subscribed uh, hit that subscribe button uh follow us on instagram at, at we just ain't family um you can follow me at the bowtie teacher on instagram thank you everyone thank you thank you it's been a pleasure and happy father's day to all the dads out there